Hey, welcome to our summer Enneagram series. I'm gonna be chatting with Mickey Scott Bay Jones, who's an Enneagram expert. Today we're looking at Enneagram twos and she's going to help us understand that better. We're also going to revisit a previous interview we did with Megan Francis. She is a podcaster, host of The Mom Hour, and she's an Enneagram too. So we're gonna get some insight from her as well. talking about Enneagram 2s and just a little more depth on what the experience of being an Enneagram 2 is and the experience of being in relationship with an Enneagram 2. So talk to us about our Enneagram 2s. Yes. Um, and didn't you say your partner is a 2? My partner is an Enneagram 2. Yes. Okay. Strong 2. So, um, <laughs> yes. They can, they can help you to death. Yes. Um, my... <laughs> My best friend is a two. Um, So they're called the giver or the helper or the supporter. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and that is like offering themselves or Mm -hmm. gifts. Um, And, you know, they're really motivated um, by, you know, they want to receive that attention Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. from having met the need of another person. Yes. Um, So really, they're motivated by this really strong belief that um, they must be needed in order to be loved. Yes. Um, and, and also it's this sense of needing to give, to get, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. so the type two, they have this really, um, uh, like strong sense that if, if they can be indispensable, then Mm -hmm. they will secure their place in the lives of others and in community. So this is one of those, this is one of those telltale things. Typically, if you ask a two or somebody you suspect is a two, Mm -hmm. if they how do they feel about or what does it feel like to be indispensable? Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of other types will recoil at that question. Be like, oh, mm-hmm. no, no, no. You got to be able to live without me, honey. Yeah. Twos are like <laughs> indispensable. Yes. That's my right? highest so they, goal. Right. They want to know that you need them. Yeah. Um, and so the attention of the type two is really focused on the needs and desires of others. Mm-hmm. One of the ways we describe twos is they're seductive. And Mm -hmm. I don't see that as a bad thing. Like we can have a negative connotation to seduction, Mm -hmm. but how does someone seduce you? They know what you like. Mm -hmm. They can anticipate your needs before you even know you have them. They, Mm -hmm. they greet you at the door with your robe and your slippers Mm -hmm. and your favorite glass of wine. And they're like, let me take care of you, baby. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. that is a two. They are going to know what you like. Um, and they are going to remember it and they're going to meet that need. And so they're really able to focus on the feelings of others and kind of alter themselves, Mm -hmm. kind of like a three, but different in that they're meeting the needs, um, and can alter, can, can be the supporter that you need. Um, but then the, the flip side of that is that they have very little ability to understand and identify their own needs. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's interesting because I, I think at first glance, when you look at all the Enneagram types, type two feels like the nice one. Like, shouldn't we all want to yeah. be this one? This one seems generous. Like the hallmark is generosity and help. Um, yeah. But there is that shadow side of, yeah. as you said, really not being able to identify their own needs. And I think the tendency towards yeah. codependency for type twos is very high. But That's then right. also that that shadow side of, you know, the generosity is not always altruistic. It's often a boomerang generosity. It's a, well, I'm doing this for it to come back to me. That's right. And that's where the, um, 
you know, that's where the negative energy can, can set in Mm -hmm. the resent, the resentment, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like, because it's so natural for them to know what other people need, it can, they can get settled into this, like, well, why don't you know what I need? It's, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, thinking, well, everybody else should know, or at least like, I've been helping you so much. Yeah. Why can't you see yeah. that you should at least offer me a cup of tea at the end of the day? Yes. Like yes. there, there's this expectation and it's like, again, the, the way Enneagram builds empathy is mm-hmm. like understanding not everybody thinks like you, Yeah. Um, right. but they can really come to resent this because yeah. in fact, what's underlying, and we're not getting into all of this because it's a whole nother thing, but the vice typically mm-hmm. of the two is, is pride, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. they, I can take care of other people. Yes. I, I don't need anybody, mm-hmm. but I'm the one who knows, I know better yeah. than you, what you need yeah. and I will take care of you. And I'm not like you, mm-hmm. you need help. Yes. I don't need help. Yes. Right. And so <laughs> when they can actually see that that is pride mm-hmm. and it's not, it's not just being generous. Yes but that they can actually learn to give Mm -hmm. from a place of just wanting to give, of being equal with someone, of not being better than them and knowing what they need. The other people do know what they need and you can wait until they ask instead of going around them. Yeah. That that's when they can give from a pure place. Mm -hmm. That's when they can give from a place of freedom. Yes. Which is a totally different place than trying to earn your spot in somebody's life. 100%. What does self-care look like for an Enneagram 2? Oh, wow. They might just get mad that you even suggest that. Right. How dare you? <laughs> First of all. Right. What, what like, even is self-care? Right, right. Am I not taking care of you well enough? Why would yeah. you Why would you suggest that I need to go alone and sit down somewhere? Yeah. Right? Um, it can actually be a triggering conversation to have with yeah. a 2. Yeah. Um, so tread lightly. But truly, it is about identifying what they need, mm-hmm. allowing themselves to have their own needs um, and not be so focused on uh, fixing mm-hmm. other people or yeah. fixing a relationship with another yeah. person. Right. But like, I'm okay by myself. Yes. And I'm okay to have these needs mm-hmm. and other people will be okay without me doing things for them. Yes. And so and what I does it look like to have without I can be loved without it. I can have a relationship with someone without doing things for them. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, uh, you know, self-care for them becomes identifying those things Mm -hmm. and actually looking at those relationships and seeing if what they're built on. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, resourcing themselves in a way and resourcing themselves with what they have in their community in a way that is reciprocal instead of one way. Yeah, absolutely. And how about for those of us who are in partnerships or friendships with an Enneagram too, how do we best love them? Yeah. Um, well, my two um, bestie, we actually call each other Bab, um, badass bestie. Love it. And so I, you know, I see her in mm-hmm. caregiving mode all the time. Yeah. And how she's always just doing, doing, doing for everybody else. Mm-hmm. And so I will just check on her. I will call her. I will sometimes I, I will just say, Hey, um, I'm bringing over, uh, wine and a pizza. Like, what do you want me to bring you? 
mm-hmm. you know, or what yeah. time can I bring it over? Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. So, um, you know, kind of letting them be on the receiving end totally. at times <laughs> and yeah. sometimes trying like anticipating their needs in the way they anticipate ours. Um, and, but doing so with respect, like a lot of times yeah. it's just talking because mm-hmm. they spend so much time giving to other people and, mm-hmm. and, um, kind of, uh, anticipating the needs of other people, they don't slow down to talk to actually acknowledge that they have feelings. They're, they're really connected to the feelings of other people, but not as connected to their own feelings until resentment comes up and then they can be real, real connected to that resentment. So, um, you know, talking to them or allowing space for them to talk about other feelings, um, as they're having them in real time can really feel like a big gift to them over and above doing yeah. something for them, just listening to them yeah. feels can feel really special to a type two. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that point is so well made that, you know, for your two friends, like make sure that you're the one who is pursuing sometimes. Yes. Because they yes. can get into that dance of they're always the pursuer. That's you know? right. Yeah. Right. Everybody's always asking them for help because they will mm-hmm. do it. Yeah. And they're quite, usually quite proficient. Yes. Like they're, they're really, really good at helping. And yeah. so offering to help them is like it it helps them feel like they're seen yeah absolutely all right well next up we're going to hear from an enneagram too okay so today we are speaking with megan francis who is the co-host of the mom hour podcast She and her co-host, Sarah Powers, have eight kids between them, ranging from preschool to teens, so they know a lot about motherhood. She also knows a lot about being a two. So thanks so much for joining us today, Megan. We are obviously diving into this whole Enneagram business. Yes, I am a huge Enneagram fanatic. Um, And I really just found out about it kind of randomly a few years ago, which was weird because I've been, I love personality tests. I'm a little self-absorbed, I think. I don't know. <laughs> I, just, I, I mean, oh, wait, the, maybe the word is uh, self-aware. Maybe yes. that's what it is. Self-aware okay. is so much better, Megan. <laughs> yes, it really, really is. <laughs> um, but I had never heard of the Enneagram, and I don't remember how I found it, but I took it and was floored. So, so like, how long ago was this? Probably three years is my oh, guess. Okay. And so yeah. from the beginning, you've been really into it? Uh, since the, yeah, when I took the test and I, you know, I had done Myers-Briggs and I'd done like strengths finder and a disc assessment and all those different kind of personality tests. And I, you know, I usually would find something I could kind of agree with. And then, right. kind of, you know, and then sometimes you're like, well, I don't know, does this fit? This totally fits. Um, I did all the color tests. On oh Facebook. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> those, yeah. I did all of those um, too. But none of them struck, uh, you know, really hit home as much as the Enneagram did. And I, I think it's because of the focus on your, like, um, your real wants, like what motivates you yes. rather, rather than the way you present to the world, which I feel like Myers-Briggs is very much the way I exist in the world. But Enneagram is like, what makes me tick? And that exactly. was kind of hard. Yeah. Well, it is. And I feel like that's kind of how I was because I, I d- took the test. I had the email sent to me and I read about it. And I think some of it kind of was like, wait, what? And you know, you got, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's right. And I don't even know if I, <laughs> I don't, want I don't even know how deep me. I want to go into this right, right now, know. you know? So, so tell, what's your type? So I'm a two. 
that the is two. the helper. I, I don't know if every place that does the Enneagram labels them the same, but the one that I went to, I think it was the Enneagram Institute. Okay. They label yeah. the helper. Uh, so I thought I would be a seven, which seven is the person who has a million things going on and, and dives into activities and seems like very active and energetic. And I just, something about that felt very flattering to me. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, and I, I've always been someone who does a lot of different things and I always have my fingers in a bunch of pies and it just seemed to fit. And when I got my results back as a two, I was like, nope, I took the test again. And then I took it a third time and it came back to <gasps> every time. Did and it. So you were kind of and like a little disappointed. I, well, I just didn't. Damn I didn't it, want I to be a, a two, especially because I read the description of what a two is. And the the version that I used, um, the descriptions are laid out like healthiest to least healthy. And the version, like the least healthy version of a two is terrible. It's like a terrible person, right? But they're all terrible people. The least healthy version of every type is terrible. But when you recognize yourself a little bit more in that terribleness, it feels so much worse. So, oh, it totally does. Yeah. So two is motivated by um, wanting to feel loved and needed. That's okay. really like their base, uh, their base motivator. So that can be great because you can like, if you're like at the high, at the height of healthiness as a two, you're nurturing, you're loving, people love being around you. You're warm and sincere and all that stuff. Right. But if you're like a nine, you are a martyr and you, I mean, like, Munchausen's by proxy and all this crazy yeah. stuff. And so it's like, oh, I read that and thought, is this, and it felt like it hit a little too close to home. So is that yeah. the experience you had with being a three? Well, kind of. I'm a, I'm a three with a four wing, I believe. And yes. um, yeah, a three at its worst is like a sociopathic murderer. Right. <laughs> Not so good. I'm like, no, I mean, that made me feel a little bit concerned. But yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right in that like, at every number at their worst, every type at their worst is like the worst of the worst. But, right. um, but I could see myself like moving down through that yeah. scale. Yes. Oh, I could definitely see myself in that. And, and, I, and I could also identify times of my life where I've been sort of, you know, now I think I'm in the top third, you know, right. But right. I definitely, there's been times in my life where I've been in that second, third, me too. Yes. I've been very needy and kind of, you know, a little bit martyry and a, like has expect like unreasonable expectations of people. I can be very codependent. I mean, there's like a lot of things I really, really recognize about myself. And right. that was hard. Yeah. yeah. So the dark side of your type is kind of the whole martyr. Right. Thing. Yes. Just yes. okay. And like kind of a sociopath as well, like a sociopathic murder. <laughs> I think all of them are sociopaths. Exactly. I'm guessing if it's like the worst you could possibly be. Exactly. Exactly. But did you really see those hallmarks of, you know, being loved and feeling needed and expressing oh, that within yourself too? Right? Absolutely. And, and then, and, and since I, you know, really sat with that for a while and became kind of okay with it, I actually wrote a whole blog post about it. Yeah. Um, like how I sort of became okay with that knowledge. Yeah. Uh, it's really helped me. It's actually helped me a lot in, in my interpersonal relationships, like kind of as a gut check for like when right. I'm making a decision, why am I doing that? Is it because I'm, there's this little wounded child inside of me person, right. like that's my, like my lizard brain self or whatever. I right. found it very helpful. And another thing I think is really interesting. Um, a few years ago, I, um, Sarah powers at the mom hour and I did a, like hosted a, a retreat and we had everybody at the retreat take the Enneagram. And I thought it was fascinating how types are drawn to types. Mm -hmm. So I've made almost everybody in my life that I'm close to take the Enneagram and almost without fail, 
almost without fail. Of course, there are exceptions. But the people that I'm closest to are ones, twos, and nines. Really? So the one is the idealist. That's Sarah. That's also my best friend, Jenna. Okay. Totally fits them both to a T. And it's interesting that I would have this sort of working relationship bestie who would line up so closely with my real life, you know, day-to-day bestie. And then I've also, and then nine is the peacemaker. So there's like the idealist and the peacemaker. And Lots of people in my life are a peacemaker. Lots of people in my life are twos, are helpers. My sister, who is one of my closest um, friends. And just, it's really, really interesting. That also held true to the other people at the retreat who were taking it. And then some of them came with friends and they were having their friends take it. And Sarah's best friend is a two. And it's, it was just fascinating. So I think that there's probably a lot of that too. Yeah. That certain kinds of people are drawn to like. I, and yeah. whatever it is that balances that out. Well, that's really, know. see, I haven't gone that far yet. And, but now I'm totally my, I'm just spinning about this because it's funny, you know, Kristen and I are the same. We're both threes. Right. Um, she's a three with a two wing. I'm a three with a four wing. Which, Interesting. Yes. Which I was like, well, thank, thank, thank God. Because when we <laughs> did, when we did the Myers-Briggs, she's like, I'm like, I'm an ISFJ and she's an yeah. INFJ. I'm like, could so, we oh, possibly. just that little difference. It's like you guys yes. are just like one, like one notch, you know, in the other direction. Yes. So fascinating. But I would love to look into this, like my best friends, see what number they are, or just people that I've dated or my husband and how that all fits together. Now, have you, have you like really gotten into books and things as well? Or is it? I haven't. I've read a lot online, but I have not gotten into the books. One thing I wish someone would do, and I think this is like ripe for happening, is to figure out how your um enneagram corresponds with your myers-briggs so i am an enfp uh-huh. so i i am an extrovert and i have to but there's so much about the enfp that has nothing to do with with the enneagram like or with the myers-briggs it has you know they're just like we said before they're very different in the way what they i guess what they measure right so i'd be really curious to see if there are ways like to match those things up and make some predictions or something oh that would be so cool like how does a two ENFP present to the world differently or feel things differently than say a three ENFP right. or whatever? So right. does a three ENFP even exist? I don't know. <laughs> so. so did you get really into the wings at all? Or I am, been... okay. So I have a three wing. Okay. So that made a certain amount of sense when I read the, um, when I read the description and I, because I think this, the three, uh, I want to say it's more like the entertainer. Or it's not the, the achiever. Entertainer, the yeah. Achiever. So the three yeah. is the achiever, but the two with the three wing, I believe is like the hostess or something. That's, it like, is. I think that's is right. Is that right? Okay. I think yeah, so. I can't believe I remember that. Okay. I so think it I is. think what that, rep- I think what that means is I not only, you know, I want people to feel comfortable around me and all that. And so I want to like open my home to them and, and also in an achieving kind of a way, like I want to show them that I can do all right. these things for them. And I think it would be very different if I was a two with a one wing. So so, but yeah. with a two, you're saying like the most important thing to use to feel needed and feel loved, but is right. that also for a two, the most important thing is to make others feel needed and loved or well, no? Well, here's the thing in your best self, if you're healthy, yes. Okay. Okay. If you're not, it kind of all becomes about, uh, getting other people to validate you really. So yes, like I do feel a lot of validation when other people feel loved in my presence and needed and blah, blah, blah. And if I'm really healthy, I can be kind of altruistic about it. And Uh I can recognize like that it's a win-win. Right. But if I was like tipping toward unhealthy, I would really just want it all for myself. I might even seem still like I cared about what they think or what 
but really all I would really want is them for, them, for them to need me. So it's, it's like this weird, like opposite sides of the same coin almost, or this weird spectrum where it can be either. I'm always trying to push myself toward that place where like, I'm, I genuinely have other people's best interests at heart, not just wanting everyone else to think I have everyone's <laughs> interests at heart <laughs> right. so that I can look good. And it's a dangerous thing. That's Gosh. a three thing too. Ooh, and saying it, that it's so cringy. Oh, like, it is. Ugh. It's so cringy. I hate, I hate oh. myself right now. <laughs> It's okay. We're in the upper third quadrant right now, Megan. We are healthy. We're doing it right. We're doing it right. We're not going to slip down. So what do you wish other people understood about being a two? Well, that is really interesting. I, I, uh, I think, I think people can underestimate a two's need to talk things through to check in. I need to check in with people in my life a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm willing to put an immense amount of energy into my relationships. Um, okay. but if I don't start to feel like I'm getting that back, then that quickly becomes a problem for me. So there has to be that balance. Now I have lots of friendships that are more surface. And I think that what's, what's really interesting about me as an ENFP and a two at the same time is I have very few inner circle friends. Like mm-hmm. I really keep that pretty limited because I couldn't, I really couldn't have a ton of inner circle friends. I would burn out because I put so much into it. So I'm pretty good at figuring out like the line for myself. Who's a, who's a right. friend, who's a friendly, <laughs> who's yes. a bestie, you know, like there's all those different layers and I'm pretty good at maintaining those boundaries for myself. Um, but like those people that I have sort of chosen to be the, the specialist, uh-huh. <laughs> the most specialist people in my life, like I kind of need them to know that that's their role so that they can just, I, I don't know, like engage and give back and all those things. And so sometimes that can become a, a touchy and it's not because I'm just like, I don't know. I don't have like low self-esteem. I'm not, mm-hmm. you know, super, I don't think of myself as super needy, but I think I could maybe come off that way. So that to the right so people, and a lot of other people would probably never see me that way. So it's just, it is very interesting actually. But from doing all of this, yeah, you feel comfortable with, you know, putting forth that information to your friends, like letting I them do. know, do you, do you use that? I mean, in your conversations, like directly kind of say, this is something because, that I need or. Yes. Well, because I've made everyone take the Enneagram. That's right. That's what now that I do. know that you now we cannot be friends until if you ev- take this test. So it's actually <laughs> been fascinating. I've like ever, seriously, if I ever have a gathering, I, everyone ends up taking the Enneagram. And then I think it's a really great opportunity for everyone to talk about their type, how their types interact. And they have that, you know, you can see how different types interact somewhere. I don't know which site you're using or book or whatever, but like a lot of them will do that. Like we'll pair people up and see what the sticking points might be and, and how it can work. And um and then I just think that that's like a really, I found it to be very like a bonding thing with my friends yeah. and say like, this is what motivates me. And yeah, and, and I, and I can be more open too. And you know, some of this is also age. Like I feel like, and I don't know about you guys, and this is a different topic for a different day probably, but the older I get, the more okay I am with being really sappy and telling my friends yeah. things like, I really like it when you, <laughs> yeah. you know, rub my back when I'm standing next to you or whatever. I'm really good at that now. And I used to be terrible at it. Oh, so, see, that's know, amazing. With, <laughs> <laughs> with all this stuff, with all this self, uh, what did I say? Self-obsession? No, wait, wait, wait. Self-aware. <laughs> right? It's all a good thing. It's like we're all getting older and we're all learning who we are. And Well, affirmations are always yeah. good. Exactly. You know, because exactly. it like just puts that other person, it, it just makes them feel better. And then they yeah. open up a little bit. It's like a little flower and they open up right. a little bit too. But it is hard. It's super vulnerable to do that. It is to it like is. even affirm others is vulnerable for me. 
because you just you know you don't know what the reaction is going to be and oh right. did I well and what far? about a three like like <clears throat> what hang-ups do you think with a three would you see in say telling someone this is who I am and I want you to understand me better well, I mean, just, just in, that, that's in, that in general, just I mean, that, you know, that achievers yeah. are very concerned about their image. And yeah. I mean, it's very important to be the best at what they do and, you know, turn in all of their homework on time as teenagers and do really well at the job and always stand out. And we, when we aren't doing our very best, we feel like we aren't doing our very best. It is like a total downer. We like it, we can completely beat ourselves up and it's very important that we just look like we have it all together at all so times so you might struggle with showing oh a less yeah flattering side of yourself oh yeah. absolutely because I just mm. feel like oh I that that's where it gets me with like the worthiness I'm like well if I'm mm-hmm. not doing my best and people don't think I'm doing my best um then I'm worth I'm worthless like that's me at my and like that's my middle so quadrant where I get very that's your like, middle quadrant yeah where and I'm just like me, I'm worthless I guess it, it would be if no one's depending on me right now what- right what am I? Like, what value do I have? And so, right. That's like so interesting. No wonder I end up with five kids. <laughs> I know. I've got I'm an t- endless supply of people who need me. So you have teens. So have they taken the I test? Do. I have had a couple of them take the test and, and their, their reaction to taking the test, any personality test is actually interesting. So my son, Jacob, who's actually just turned 20, um, wow. he took a Myers-Briggs and thought it was all just a bunch of hocus pocus right 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 thought it was junk but then I can't remember what his part was or his um, type was but it was totally the one who thinks that anyway like it it was like his reaction to taking the test was perfectly (laughs) demonstrated (laughs) in the test results like it was awesome I don't know that I had him do the Enneagram the Enneagram I feel like it's it's just a little more self-aware like I yes it's a grown-up test I agree you know I agree. Just the way you answer it, I think you you can't really answer the questions accurately till you know yourself pretty well. So I would I agree know, with I might, that. Though. So okay. So finally, someone let's say someone's just getting into the enneagram right now. They've just taken the test and they just found out they are a two. So yeah. what advice would you give to others about learning that? Like, yeah. what is it like to be? A, what's the best advice to give to a two? Oh, I think for myself, like I have to be okay. I had to get really okay with the idea that that no one is a hundred percent altruistic for only altruistic reasons. There's always another reason for it. So if, if you seem like you're this earth mother type and you just want to go around spreading love and, and kisses everywhere and there's nothing in it for you ever, that's just not the way human beings work. <laughs> yeah. And I had to kind of be, become okay with that. Like I really had to look around and say, everybody does things because it makes them feel good. That's what being human is all about. And yeah. it happens to make me feel good to make other people feel good. And if I look back at childhood memories, like my earl, some of my very earliest memories were things like sitting in a movie theater, looking around to make sure other people were having a good time. Oh. If they weren't having a good time, I couldn't have a good time and stuff like that. And that can become very, that can be a sickness or it can be a great thing. And that's and true. It's all my power, my power to decide how I'm going to live who I am in the world. So I guess just get okay with it. None of these yeah. types there, it's neutral. It's not a judgment. Right. <laughs> and it's all just a neutral thing about yourself that you can use for good or for not so good. Oh, that's awesome. I know. I know so much more about twos now. Thank you, Megan. <laughs> You're so like, I, hope, I hope it made you feel really good. <laughs> you made Otherwise, me feel so good. I feel so loved and needed and seen <laughs> right now. And you know what, Sarah? You are such an awesome achiever. I recognize that about you. Oh, thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs>